0: Good morning, everyone. Um, this is on a kind of a serious note. I know I was in the car with my friend, and we were talking about that, that case. That case has really bothered me, man. I mean, it's sad because people really lost their, their children, you know. And um, I just don't want you guys to think that it was something that I was taking lightly or that I was joking about, you know, because it, the mood was kind of light in the vehicle. The actual story was was very heavy hitting and it's it's it was real and I just want to address that that um anything that I'd speak about um concerning serious matters it's something that I really hold to my heart and i and i um and I'm sharing it because it's serious to me. It's something I feel that needs to be addressed, and I feel it's an injustice. Especially for these families, you know, the fact they come here looking for the American dream to have their children murdered when they could've... I don't know. I don't know. It's just... It's it's very sad, guys. So... Like always, God bless. Thank you for tuning in and follow your boy. One love. Peace. So, yeah, chances are, guys, um, you've probably heard of mass hysteria. It's basically when people just start acting fucking crazy for no apparent reason all across the board and uh i was reading something on i think wikipedia and it's kind of what got me to talk about this i guess in france in like the 1500s there were a bunch a nun just started meowing and uh instead of them telling her shut the fuck up and act normal everybody else started meowing and before you know it the whole convent started meowing and this was what they did they were the, like a cat like a cat meow yeah and they were just meowing to each other until i guess they got to a point where this became like an everyday thing with them this was their life they would walk around meowing and that they'd meow at each other and they'd definitely meow in each other's faces for hours on end reports say until uh down- townspeople just got kind of sick of it after a while and uh They called in the local magistrate or the police or soldiers or police, whoever was laying down the law in those days. And they basically came down and said, hey, you guys need to cut the shit. And I started acting like normal people. And possibly they were just got meowed back. They got meowed again, you know, they got meowed. (laughs) I don't know. And uh, so they had to beat the shit out of them, and that's how they made them stop. They beat them so they no longer meowed. That's the story of the the meowing nuns of France. (laughs) I don't know, guys. It's fucking crazy. Uh, So look it up. So the clinical term for Mass Hysteria is Mass Psychogenic Illness, also known as MPI, and it's a disturbance involving the nervous system and where physical complaints that are exhibited unconsciously have no corresponding organic etiology. Basically, you just, they don't really know, there's a bunch of shit what causes this They say symptoms have no plausible basis. Symptoms are transient and benign. Symptoms with rapid onset and recovery. Uh, Kids tend to have it more. Um, Mass anxiety, hysteria consists of episodes of acute anxiety occurring mainly in school children. Prior attention is absent and the rapid spread is by usual contact. Yeah, uh, that goes back to another case of the laughing school children. Um, I guess about, around World War One, there was a school where a little girl started laughing and everyone else, oh, right, here we go, I'm going to find it, so I'm not just like talking out of my ass, we're going to find a bunch of cases, here we go. The Dancing Mania's list of mass hysteria cases. All right, here you go. Mm-mm-mm. So the cat nuns, we we covered that. Yeah, and as I was telling you, the cops had to come. They didn't stop till the... Oh, the police threatened to whip the nuns. And then you had the Dancing Plague in Straussburg. Dancing Mania. This one was kind of crazy, because numerous people took to the streets, dancing for days without rest, and over a period of about one month, some of the people died from heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. Just And this was in 1518. These motherfucking people just started bugging. Um, doesn't say what caused it. Um, maybe it does. Let me see. The outbreak began in July, 1518, when a woman, Mrs. Trophy, began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. This lasted somewhere between four and six days. Within a week, 34 others had joined, and within a month, there were around 400 dancers, predominantly female. So they basically threw a, a block party. Some of these people would die from heart attacks, strokes, or exhaustion. One report indicates that for a period, The plague killed around 15 people per day, wow. So you had over 400 people that started dancing and 15 people per day were dying. However, the the sources of the city at the time did not mention the number of deaths. So historical documents, including physical notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even noted notes issued by the Straswick City Council are clear that the victims danced it is not known why these people dance some even to their deaths <laughs> what the f- um i don't know guys what do you say like imagine just people just dancing nonstop for days but no music man mind you there's no music they're just that's what i'm saying so are they dancing or are they like having like it's got to be scary looking what they're doing because there's no music playing I mean, what what are they doing? Like, what does it consider dancing? Like, are they doing like square dancing? Are they doing the the WAP. You know, whatever the case, whatever they're they're dancing, well you know, are they doing like choreographed steps? Are they just bugging out? I don't know. But there's a bunch of theories that maybe it was witchcraft, uh, they poisoned through um LSD, uh which came from like fungus the same fungus that uh has been implicated in other major historical anomalies i don't know i'm gonna look for like a few more let me see if we got a couple more here that was the dancing one that um salem witch trials i'm not gonna get into that one we all we kind of know that was more of a scare than anything. The Wurzburg in Wurzburg, 1749. An outbreak of screaming, squirming, and trance in a nunnery led to the ex- execution of a suspected witch. Yo, nuns really get into this. I mean, imagine... I could see it happening. If you just confine a bunch of people... I don't... I don't know. The great fear... As a general panic that started in 1789 during the French Re- 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 Revolution. Some of these ain't that. Oh, the tremor, the writing tremor epidemic. Basil and Graz tins. The right hand of a 10 year old girl in Grob tins began to tremble, which developed into full body seizures that spread to 19 other students. That same year, a similar epidemic affected 20 in Basil. Switzerland. 12 years later, the Basel School experienced another outbreak that affected 27 students. Legend of the first outbreak was said to have played a role. See, it happens in nunneries and schools a lot. Here's another one. In Montreal, 60 students at a ladies seminary suffered an outbreak of fits and seizures, some lasting for as long as two months. The and Trembling Disease, 1905 to 1906. An estimated 237 children were affected with trembling and seizures between October 1905 to 1906. In Bellevue, Louisiana, 1939, a girl developed a leg twitch at the annual homecoming high school dance. Attacks worsened and spread to friends over the next several weeks. And this one's kind of famous. I've heard of this one. The Tanja-Yika Laughter Epidemic, 1962. The Tanja-Yika, Tanja-yika yeah, Laughter Epidemic began on January 30 of 1962 at a mission-run boarding school for girls in Kshasa, Tanzania. The laughter started with three girls and spread haphazardly throughout the school, affecting 95 of the 159 pupils between 12 and 18. Symptoms lasted from a few hours to 16 days in those affected. The teaching staff were not affected, but reported that students were unable to concentrate on their lessons. The school was forced to close down on March 18, 1962. After the school was closed and the students were sent home, the epidemic spread to the village (laughs) that was home to several of the girls, Neshamba. In April and May, 270 people had laughing attacks in the village, most of them school children and young adults. The Kashasha school was reopened on May 21st, only to be closed again at the end of June. In June, the laughing epidemic spread to Ramashin girls middle school near Bukoba affecting 48 girls. Another outbreak occur, occurred in Kanya, you got a Kanya, Gareka and two nearby boys schools were closed. What the hell? So that was a heavy duty one. That one, that one went from school to school village to village just laughing. I, I wonder what causes that. And we're going to end it with Um, I don't know. There's more. Blackburn, England, 1965. In October 1965, at a girls' school in Blackburn, several girls complained of dizziness. Some fainted within a couple of hours. Eighty-five girls from the school were rushed by ambulance to a nearby hospital after fainting. Symptoms included swooning, moaning, chattering of teeth, hypernia, and tetany. A medical analysis of the event about one year later found the outbreaks began among the 14 year olds, but that the heaviest incidents moved to the youngest age group. There was no evidence of pollution, of food, or air. The younger girls proved more susceptible, but disturbance was more severe and lasted longer in the older girls. It was considered that the epidemic was hysterical that a previous polio epidemic had rendered the population emotionally vulnerable and that a three-hour parade producing 20 faints on the day before the first arc had been the specific trigger. Wow. Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, 1976. School officials suspected drug use after 15 students fell to the ground writhing, but no drugs were found and hysteria is assumed to be the culprit. At one point, one third of the school's 900 students stayed home for fear of being hexed. Yo, imagine, like, I, I don't know, imagine you're just at school doing your thing and then you see one kid fall and start shaking and twisting, and then you, I don't know, like, how does that happen? And then you like, you do it. Like, what is the cause? That That's what gets me. I'm, like, amazed by this shit. Like, it just spreads like wildfire. Mm. There's a there's a bunch of them guys. And so I'm gonna end it with the West Bank fainting epidemic of 1983. 1983 West Bank fainting epidemic was a series of incidents in March 1983 in which 943 Palestinian teenage girls, mostly schoolgirls, and a small number of IDF women soldiers, fainted or complained of feeling nauseous in the West Bank. Israel was accused of using chemical warfare to sterilize West Bank women but sources speculated that a toxic substance had employed by the Palestinian militants. But investigators later concluded that even if some environmental irritant had originally been present, the wave of complaints was ultimately a product of mass hysteria. This conclusion was supported by a Palestinian health official who said that 20% of early cases may have been caused by some kind of gas but the remaining 80% were psychosomatic. And we got one, oh wow, uh, I keep saying I'm gonna end it, and I keep reading more stuff. North Carolina, 2002. 10 girls developed seizures and other symptoms at a rural high school in North Carolina. Symptoms persisted for 5 months across various grades levels. Incidents tended to happen outside of class, with half of all incidents estimated to have occurred around lunch. Half of the affected were cheerleaders of, or former cheerleaders. <laughs> so it was a cheerleader thing. Wow. And we have Mexico City 2007. In 2007 near Chalco, a working class suburb of Mexico City, mass hysteria resulted in a massive outbreak of unusual symptoms suffered by adolescent female students at Children's Village School, a Catholic boarding school that affected that afflicted students, had difficulty walking, and were feverish and nauseated. It happened in Virginia in 2007 an outbreak of twitching headaches and dizziness affected at least nine girls seem to get it more than boys it seems you figure right because they say schoolgirls most of them and nuns so it's a it seems to be a woman thing a female situ- i'm just saying that's just what evidence seems to show i'm not saying you know i'm not trying to say women get mass hysteria more but it just seems that way uh, so, dizziness affected at least nine girls and one teacher at William Byrd High School. The, the episode lasted for months amid other local public health scares. Here we go again, Afghanistan, 2009. A spate of apparent poisonings that schoolgirls across Afghanistan began to be reported with symptoms including dizziness, fainting, and vomiting. The United Nations, World Health Organization, and NATO's International Security Assistance Force carried out investigations of the incidents over multiple years but never found any evidence of toxins or poisonings in the hundreds of blood, urine, and water samples they tested. The conclusion of the investigators was that the girls were suffering from mass psychogenic illness, MPI. Despite these findings, Afghan officials often blame the Taliban. of course they do. Oh, here we girls. Brunei 2010. In April and May of 2010, incidents of mass hysteria occurred at two all-girls secondary schools in Brunei. The most recent notable event happened on this is 2010. April 20 April oh April 24th, 2014 in a public secondary school. The phenomenon caused a wave of panic among many parents, educators, and members of the community. Some of the students affected by the phenomenon claimed to have been possessed by spirits or a djinn, displaying histrionic symptoms such as screaming, shaking, fainting, and crying. Leroy, New York, 2012. 12 high school girls developed Tourette-like symptoms. Their school was tested for toxin and toxins and all other factors for their symptoms were ruled out. The case and some of the girls and their parents gained national media attention in, two, in January 2012. Several more students and a 36-year-old female came forward with similar symptoms. They were all diagnosed with conversion disorder. Oh, guys. Charlie Charlie. I heard about this the other day. It's like some ghost or something. And I've getting into the clown sightings. I don't know if this is mass theory. I think people were out there dressing up like clowns. Well, that's it, guys. That's what I have for that. I mean, I find it interesting. I don't know about you guys. I mean, what? The sh- it's kinda, you know, something that definitely a something to talk about. I don't know, it's weird. You, you know, dating back to the 1500s up until modern day, Nunneries, female um all girl boarding schools, even regular schools, but it seemed to hit the women more and the females students. Wow, and I didn't when I started this, to be honest with you, when I started talking about it and looking at I didn't that wasn't even something I was aware of while while I started this episode, I just started as I was reading along to you guys and looking at the different cases, it started to become more evident that it was females more more than more than more more often than not so i don't know and and i'm going to end it i keep saying i'm going to end it and i then i keep talking you know me guys just off of my tangents they i there's a uh i remember when i was in, i was working at a hospital um one of my first jobs i was working at a hospital and this has nothing to do with the the actual thing i'm going to talk about i just happened to be working at a hospital and this incident was at a hospital and they said it might have been mass hysteria but The case in itself is weird. And I'm going to look it up while I talk about it. I don't know if any of you know about the Toxic toxic Lady case. Um, Here it is. And, yeah, 1994. uh, I was 17. So, yeah, I got hired 11... 9, I remember, November 9th of 1992 at this hospital and I worked in the kitchen and there used to always be newspapers and I remember we were reading this article, so it was like 2 years after i already been working there, about this lady who was sick and she went to the hospital in, in Los Angeles, I believe it was and they, when they cut her body open her blood gave like a garlicky her blood was like toxic or something like she, she had a it, it smelled funny and it had like flakes in it, like little particles in her blood, and, and it gave off like a toxic fumes, and people, like t- tons of healthcare workers, like the nurses that tended to her, or the doctors, they all got sick and got hospitalized. And I, and it was always one of those weird things, and and I didn't hear about it for a long time, and then recently I was looking it up, and I found it. So basically, and she was pretty young, because it was 1963, she was only 31 years old, wow. So, Gloria Ramirez was an American woman dubbed the toxic lady by the media when several hospital workers became ill after exposure to her body and blood. She had been admitted to the emergency department while suffering from a late stage cervical cancer. While treating Ramirez, several hospital workers fainted and others experienced symptoms such as shortness of breath and muscle spasms. Five workers required hospitalization, one of whom remained in an intensive care unit for two weeks. She was from Riverside, California. So shortly after arriving at the hospital, Ramirez died from complications related to her cancer. The the incident was initially considered to be mass hysteria, as I was saying. But an investigation by Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory proposed that Ramirez had been self-administering Dimethyl sulf- sulfoxide as a treatment for pain, an extremely poisonous and highly carcinogenic alkylating agent via a series of chemical reactions. And what the? F- uh, it's just a theory that she was using some chemicals to try to treat her cancer, and it's still a matter of a debate. So anyway, I didn't even need to get into. I was trying to get into the crux of the story. At about 15 on the evening of February 19, 1994, Ramirez suffering from the effects of advanced cervical cancer was brought into the emergency department of Riverside General Hospital by paramedics. She was extremely confused and was suffering from tachycardia and Shine Stokes respiration. The medical staff injected her with diazepam, midazolam, and lorazepam. Damn, they fucking just hit her hard with benzodiazepines. benzodiazepines. The diazepam is, um for you guys that don't know, that's basically, uh, pro, uh not Xanax, the other one, um Valium. These are basically, and the lorazepam, that's Ativan. Those are basically just to calm you down. So they gave those to Sedator. When it became clear that Ramirez was responding poorly to treatment, the staff tried to defibrillate her heart. At that point, several people saw an oily sheen covering Ramirez's body. And some noticed a fruity garlic like odor that they thought was coming from her mouth, a registered nurse named Suzanne Kane attempted to draw blood from Miesha's arm and noticed an ammonia-like smell coming from the tube. She passed the syringe to Julie Gordon-Chanitsky, a medical resident who noticed Manila-colored particles floating in the blood. At this point, Kane fainted and was removed from the room. Shortly thereafter. Gorczynski began to feel nauseated, complaining that she was lightheaded and she left the trauma room and sat at a nurse's desk. A staff member asked if she was okay, but before she could respond, she also fainted. Maureen Welch, a respiratory therapist who was assisting in the trauma room, was the third to pass out. The staff was then ordered to evacuate all emergency department patients to the parking lot outside the hospital. Overall, 23 people became ill and five were hospitalized. A skeleton crew remained behind to stabilize Ramirez. At 8.50 p.m. after 45 minutes of CPR and defibrillation, Ramirez was pronounced dead from kidney failure related to her cancer. Investigation. The county health department called in the Department of Health and Human Services. They interviewed over 34 hospital staff who had been working in the emergency department on February 19th using a standard questionnaire. They found that people who had developed severe symptoms as loss of consciousness, muscle spasms tended to have certain things in common. People who had worked within two feet of Ramirez and who had handled her intravenous lines had been at high risk. But other factors that correlated with severe symptoms did not appear to match a scenario in which fumes had been released. The survey found that those affected tended to be women rather than men. Remember that, guys? Mm-hmm. And they all had normal blood tests after the exposure they believe the hospital workers suffer from mass hysteria Gorczynski denied that she had been affected by mass hysteria and pointed to her own medical history as evidence after the exposure she spent two weeks in the intensive care unit with breathing problems she developed hepatitis and a vascular necrosis in her knees wow And then it gets into her using that degreaser as a home remedy for pain. I don't know why the fuck you would do that. Where does she even get that? It's sold in gel forms at hardware stores. It could also explain the greasy appearance of Ramirez's body. They think it might have built up in her system if she was using it owing to urinary blockage caused by her kidney failure. Oxygen amid- administered by the paramedics could have combined with the DMSO to form dimethyl sulfone, which is known to crystallize at room temperature and could be the crystals that were observed in her blood. Electric shocks administered during her emergency fibrillation could have converted the DMSO into dimethyl sulfate dimethyl sulfate the highly toxic dimethyl ester of sulfuric acid exposure to which could have caused some of the reported symptoms of the emergency department staff there's a lot of could have been this, could have been that this however was not confirmed and then it gets weirder Two months after Ramirez died, her body decomposed body was released for an independent autopsy and burial. The Riverside coroner's office hailed Livermore's DMSO conclusion as the probable cause of the hospital worker's symptoms while her family disagreed. The Ramirez family's pathologist was unable to determine the cause of death because her heart was missing, her other organs were cross-contaminated with fecal matter, and her body was too badly decomposed. On April 20th, 1994, 10 weeks after her death, Ramirez was buried in Olivewood Memorial Park in Riverside. And then there's a bunch of theories. Um, that, I mean, it's just, it gets real into like chemical laboratory talk. It's pretty, um, it's, it's, it's a strange case to say the least. I, I mean, I, I think you guys would agree. So I don't know, man. If you guys are curious about it, um, her name is Gloria Ramirez and she's known as the Toxic Lady. You go online. You can look up various reports about it. And um, with that, that's my thing. I'm hysteria, people. Peace. God bless. You can find... Microphone on fire on all major platforms where you listen to podcasts: Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Castbox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and uh, and if I missed any, I mean the list is long. I appreciate it, and uh, you know, listen in, man. You know you we you know how we do. Keep it rolling, people. Peace, one love. I love you. God bless.